Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Hashtag coming in hot. I am joined by our two staples, our two regulars, the great Aaron Zebediah Fit, Kendall J. Rogers. And gentlemen, special occasion because we are joined by D1 Baseball's Director of Credibility, the great David J. Seifert. Seif, how are we doing? You're coming on hot and heavy today. Jeez. <laughs> I'm trying to establish the fastball, Sife. That is, I had to turn my volume down on your intro, though, but they're great <laughs> intro nonetheless. And yeah, good day. Let's talk prospects. That's it. That's it. Fitzy, Kendall, how are we doing? How are you, fellas? We're doing well. We're doing well. I'm loving the dream. We got the Deeks. It's Deek Day on the site today. Best day of the We're year. We're not going to start that today, are we? Deek Day. Oh, I was so proud of my tweet. Someone needs to get on my timeline. My tweet of Fitzy promoting the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. By the way, though, fellas, off the top, can you name a better mascot than the Demon Deacon with the motorcycle? That is elite, right? Uh, would, that, would that be the number one mascot if you were doing rankings? No, so this is along the same lines, but remember like the Providence Friar that used to be on yeah. the sidelines or on courtside? Yeah, He's that good. Guy, that guy's Providence bad. Friar is pretty good, too. But that's not yep. baseball, so it doesn't count. Yeah, get out, yeah, Providence. You drop baseball, so you're disqualified. You're dead to me, so. Providence. You're dead to me, Providence College Friars. Gentlemen, before we get to the crux of the matter, today's podcast brought to us by our friends at Two Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the pros. We know this about hitting a baseball. Doesn't matter how good of an athlete it is you are. Doesn't matter how technically sound your swing is. If you make bad decisions, if you swing at the balls and you take the strikes, it ain't going to work. And S2 is uh, incredible with their assessments on helping hitters be better at that. So really appreciate their their partnership and it's really good stuff. Gentlemen, so let's talk about, let's talk prospects. We've got our 2023 list up on the website. It was a really fun exercise. Let's start here before we dive into kind of the areas of the list. Saif, I'm going to have you kick it off as the DOC, the Director of Credibility. General takeaways, this year's class. What are you seeing in this year's college class? It's another really good group of right-handed pitching at this point in the year. We we say, I think we say it every year, and then all of a sudden this guy gets hurt, that guy gets hurt, that guy's sore, and you're like, oh, geez, where's the starting pitching? But between Dollander, Louder, Sanders, and Paul Skeens, who's made a huge jump, another big jump, this fall, I mean, Grayson hit a lefty who emerged at Alabama. Those are five pretty good starting pitchers right there. And again, we I think we say that every year. And then it's the second week of the season. We kind of change our mind, but I'll go with that. And then another real positive, I mean, we have a legit 1-1. Some years, there's not really a college guy. We rushman's one, but there's a lot of years where, geez, who's 1-1, who's 1-1? Hands down, Dylan Cruz for me is 1-1. Just the every 10-year position player type of five-tool guy. And there's a couple of strong shortstops right behind him in Gonzalez and Wilson. So, I, And then on the flip side, I think the only thing this class really doesn't have is catching. I think the college catching as well. Outside of Kyle Teal, there's not a first-rounder. And you have to get pretty much dipped down 
pretty far to get to the next catcher. So a couple positives and one big hole with college catching. Yeah. Saif, you said Gonzalez, then Wilson. Some of us might say Wilson and then Gonzalez, but hey, you say tomato, I say tomato. Spoiler alert. I've heard you might be one of those that says Wilson. (laughs) Oh, I am. But let me not give away all my cards. Fitzy, what are your takes? Yeah, as usual, the DOC is spot on here uh, with his assessment of the class. I do think it's interesting that in the top 10, I think, what is it? eight of the first nine guys on our list or, or seven of the first nine guys, seven of the first, whatever it is, they're hitters. It's position players. So even though there, there is, I think a little bit of depth of starting pitching, once you get into that, that next, that second, I guess you'd call it tier. The top of the list really dominated by position guys and Sipes right on, on Dylan Cruz. There's no debate on that one. We, in our group chat this morning, we're discussing like, what is he? Mike Trout? Is he yeah. Mickey Mantle, but not a switch hitter? Is he Kirby Puckett? He's, he's those are all Hall of Famers. Those are that's the kind of skill set we're talking about here. I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he could be. It's possible. Mike Trout was coming out of high school. I remember in New Jersey. It's who's a comp for this guy? And I made the mistake of copying him to Aaron Rowan. I wish I was a little more aggressive with that one because even at the time there were some comps floating out there that were bigger names. But you can't always be afraid to comp a guy to a legend like. Mike Trout wasn't always Mike Trout. He had to prove it. Yeah. Dylan Cruz has to prove it in the big leagues, but I mean, he's got that kind of ability. It's pretty special. Love it. Go ahead, KR. Uh, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me about our top 100 is uh, how good LSU is going to be. We talked about Dylan Cruz uh, briefly, but I think as you look at rising arms in this crop, you look at the Grayson hit at Alabama, Fitz saw him in the fall. He certainly much higher and probably even has more room to move up with a strong spring. And I think when you look at LSU, you kind of talk about Grant Taylor in that same mold. Granted, he was a bigger prospect than hit, but I mean, he's a guy that would probably would have been in the, you know, thirties, forties and fifties. And when I saw him in the fall, it was a guy that could, I think could end up in the top 10 here. I think Paul Skeens sitting at 10 could end up in the five or six range if he throws in the spring, the way he did this fall. So I think the overarching thing for me is just how good LSU is going to be. And what's really interesting about Dylan Cruz is I think if you look at the top two of Dylan Cruz and Chase Dolander at Tennessee is I think some people would argue they're in, and granted we didn't argue about it, but I mean, there's people could have an argument that Dolander could be number one. You're talking about a guy that looks like the sure thing. It's, it's kind of funny. I think Runes brought this up on a podcast a few weeks ago. But he's a guy that had an ERA just north of four at Georgia Southern, goes to Tennessee under Frank Anderson, buds into an absolute superstar last year. And when you watch him pitch, like everything looks great. And so you just kind of wonder, will teams value a guy like Dolander over Dylan Cruz? But I just think when you look at Dylan Cruz, he is the complete package. Of the, he just oozes tools. Power is incredibly easy. The bar fight meter and just like baseball ratness in him is like a legit like 75 to 80. I love that guy. And really, Runes has talked about Jacob Wilson so much. He's another guy that people as the season progresses could really argue him in that mix too. Now, I really liked this position class. Wyatt Langford. We talk about guys who have kind of scaled the ranks. Wyatt Langford was a guy that if you look back at our rankings at the middle of last year, like I'm not even sure he made the list. And now he's at number five. And so there's been some guys that, that have certainly moved up. And I think there's a lot of wiggle room as we get the, closer to the season. 
Mm, those are such good points. I'm with you, Ken. You mentioned LSU. And when we do these lists, man, it colors my judgment when it comes to teams. Like, it's so yeah. great that we do this before. Like Florida, you mentioned Wyatt Langford. Florida jumps off the page at this thing. I also love that Jacob Wolfson plays at Grand Canyon. I mean, we love the SEC, clearly. But I think about this year's MVPs, Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Judge played at Texas State and Fresno State. Like, player development can kind of happen anywhere. Safe. I would like to get your, I thought Kendall said something very interesting there a second ago, and I would like your take and feel free to jump in also, Fitzy. If there's no Dylan Cruz, is Chase Dolander a slam dunk 1-1 or because it's a right-handed pitcher, teams just don't love to do that? I think if the draft is tomorrow, yeah, I think Dolander would be the next choice for 1-1. He might be the choice for 1-1 for a handful of teams or even more. I do think it's one of those two, but my money would just say Cruz. Just that's where I'd be. I'd go position guy over pitcher. Yeah. That seemed fair to you, Fitzy? Yeah, certainly. All things being equal, I think that's just the safer bet. But yes, I think I agree that Dolan would be 1-1 if there were no Cruz. The guy that I'm really bullish on up here, and, and Kendall touched on him, is Wyatt Langford. Cool. It's well, He's five on this list. Wouldn't surprise me if he winds up picked higher than that when it's all said and done. I just think it's a real big time bat. He's so physical. He controls the zone. He drives the ball to all fields. Every time I see him, I feel like he goes deep twice, one each side of the field. It's just, and it's, he's, he's more athletic than you think for a guy built like he is. He, he moves okay in the outfield. I mean, I think it's certainly a, probably a left field profile. But it's it's a real bat. <laughs> They're always looking for bats. I know you got two shortstops there. And of course, you like the premium position guy. But on my personal board, I might even have Langford ahead of Gonzalez Wills. I love that. Hey, Saif, and Kendall, I'd love for you to you, you comment on this too. Yeah. So Wyatt Langford is such a unique story, right? He's four. He gets four at-bats his freshman year. And now he's going to be a top 10 pick. And he's really gifted. It was an unusual situation, but it reminds me of Dustin Pedroia in this regard. One of the things when teams were looking at Pedroia that they knew they could count on, he was going to have that massive chip on his shoulder forever, right? He was never going to be six foot two and look great in an airport. He was always going to play with that anger. And I like, as a scout, you look at Wyatt Langford and say, hey, like that freshman year, is not going away from his memory banks. Like he's going to carry that into pro ball and being drafted high. He like the motivation, these kids are all motivated. I don't want it to sound that way, but man, that's a special experience of failure that Wyatt Langford's got in his bank account that I think is really important in development. Am I overcooking that? Or do you think there's something there? No, I definitely think there's something there. How much is there? Not real sure. Obviously he had a tremendous sophomore season and, kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, we did not have him ranked last February in our preseason rankings. He was not in the top 100. He was actually ranked 38th in the conference for, for a class of 2020, 2023, last February. That was generous, right? He didn't even well, play. You, you give the kid credit. I know we rag yeah. on you, but you give the kid credit. To make that kind of leap in a calendar year is pretty incredible. Yeah, and then fast forward to July at the end of the summer when we did the a top 30, mm-hmm. he was fifth. So essentially from February of 2022, right before the 2022 season, he went from unranked to fifth by July after his stint with Team USA. So pretty impressive. And yes, I agree with the chip on his shoulder motivation, but at the end of the day, he got the opportunity and just showed what a great hitter he is. And we'll see what he can do this year. It's going to be fun watching. 
Yeah, really cool. All right, Kendall, you get you, that's going to be Fitzy's first draw is Langford. That's an excellent one. Kendall, you go next poll, next player from quad one, if you will. Is there any doubt who I'm going to pick here? What do you got? I are got Brady Taylor. Oh, that is you are the king. You know, what's really president. interesting about Taylor, question with him a couple of years ago was the defensive side of things. And I think we all kind of saw as the season progressed with TCU last year, you look at the job he did at the hot corner in the regional against A&M. He was exceptional defensively over there. He's got wiry strength. I think I think you and I kind of comped him to Heston Kirsten a little bit. Heston was a little bit more physical, but just kind of that same like same demeanor a, a little bit. The, the personality is very, very similar. I think the really interesting thing about Braden for me is does he show scouts some flexibility this spring? I was talking to Kirk Sarlis a couple of weeks ago, and they've been playing him at shortstop. And he apparently has been very good at shortstop. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say he projects at that at the next level. I think that would frankly surprise me if I, if when I saw him, he looks that way. But the fact that he's able to show that kind of versatility really intrigues me. And with Brayden Taylor, you're getting a great makeup kid, which you guys all know. I love that. You're getting a guy with some big-time strength and, and a wiry frame. He's got a strong arm. He's gotten so much better defensively, instinctually over there at third base. He's To me, he's just a complete product. I love that guy. And again, I think if you look at any of these guys, really outside of Lankford, I mean, you can make an argument for Braden Taylor with the rest of that group. Maybe Enrique should be ahead of Braden too. But uh, if you took Braden Taylor – over Jacob Wilson. I know that sounds kind of crazy right now, but I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think he's that good. It'll be interesting to see if teams try to send him out as a shortstop. Like, I don't think that's inconceivable, right? Like the body type and he's not heavy footed or anything I mean, like that. I don't see. It. I think you can play him at short now, you know, it, it, yeah. it's if they need him to, but even now I just think he, it's just a prototype third base frame. I, I think. Yeah, I think I'm with fit. I'll withhold judgment until we see it. But I was talking to Los about it, and he kind of said, you know what? I was kind of thinking the same thing that a lot of people are going to think, hey, will this work out? But he has been so good there that they're going to they're gonna potentially keep him there. That's really intriguing. You kind of go from Tommy Sacco to kind of a, I wouldn't say stubby, but like kind of a more like shorter shortstop type to potentially Braden Taylor. So I find him very fascinating. Love it. Saif, who do you want to talk about in quad one? We went position guy, position guy, and I know you're going position guy, so I'm just trying to mix it up here. <laughs> nothing more, nothing more. I got to go with my guy, Will Sanders. I know there's, I know Rhett Louder's higher on our board, but Will Sanders, I saw him for the first time, not this summer, but the summer of 2021 with the USA CNT, and I was really impressed. And I just read back over my notes. It says, uh, although likely higher on my follow list than the mainstream, Sanders showed blah blah blah. So I just got. I'm gonna fall back on Sanders. He's six six. He's projectable. He throws in the mid nineties. He has a buzz above average changeup. I think the slider is a pitch. He's at that point. He needed to develop. I think it's better now. It's only gonna get better and better. But Will Sanders, he's not much of a sleeper. We have him ranked ninth overall. But I really like him. I really like what he could do this spring. Yeah. Do you guys think we're going to be, I haven't seen other rankings. Are we going to be, uh, we're going to be above consensus with Sanders? Do you guys think, or do you think everyone kind of experienced what you saw last summer, Siphon? Everyone's got him as a riser. No, I think he's lower on most on, on the, uh, with the industry still. But again, if we just went along with the industry on every player, our list wouldn't be, I, I hate to say it, but as good as it is. And we have a pretty strong yeah. list just with the knowledge we have the four of us and shooter hunt. We have a really well-rounded crew and 
a lot of input, a lot of contacts. Plus, we see more guys with our own eyes than any anyone else outside of the clubs themselves. I do. I think Sanders is he's nine, so he's not going to rise a lot on our list. But yeah. I do think he's going to rise with the industry. No offense to those other organizations, Sife, but they don't have a director of credibility on their staff. So that's another disadvantage <laughs> that they have. Very good point. I did forget about that. <laughs> Fitzy, have you seen Sanders in person? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A number of times. Yeah, yeah it's fine too. Uh, I mean, I love him too. It's for me, it's definitely a top 10 kind of guy here where we have him. I think it's, it's a good spot. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. great body. And there's, there's, he, I saw him actually, the first time I saw him, he was a skinny little rail of a kid. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. it was in summer is in the coastal plain league that COVID summer before his freshman year. And it was like, Ooh, I, I didn't, never heard of the kid before. And I walked in and it was like, wow. And uh, even that time, I think it was maybe, I don't know, it was maybe 88 to 91, but it was so much projection. And the way the arm worked is obvious. He really could spin it. It already had fuel for a change up. And it was like, all right, let's see what this kid looks like in three years. And then the velocity jump happened earlier than I think anyone expected. And now he'll show you 97, 98 when he's at hundred percent, really at full go. And it's, it's electric. Yeah, that I, if I had to win a college baseball game, Will Sanders would be at the top of my list. But that's different than looking at him as a top 10 pick. And I still visually see him as that skinny kid who really competes his brains out. But this is cool. Like, I love that he's up there. Like, he, because again, he is, he's a, an animal on the mound and certainly very talented. Okay, boys, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a player, but I want to say something about Dylan Cruz. This is my weakness in scouting, Sife. This is the ledge you have to talk me off of many times. I'm a romantic, and there's things that I see that I can't unsee, and they get me all wound up about players. It's like a scene from The Natural. And Dylan Cruz, in the regionals last year, remember, they're in the 1-0 game with Southern Miss at Southern Miss. LSU is down. LSU's the home team. LSU's down 6-2 to two in the ninth inning. The game is over. Remember, Southern Miss could really pitch. And they're down four runs with three outs to go. And 2-1 count to Dylan Cruz leading off the inning. And the kid from Southern Miss flips a breaking ball in there, which is a wise choice, right? You probably should not challenge Dylan Cruz with a fastball in a 2-1 count. And Dylan Cruz takes this breaking ball, and he hits it off the scoreboard That's just what's supposed to happen. He made it look so dang easy that he got cross-counted and still hit a ball off the stinking scoreboard. And I'm sitting there thinking, dang, if you're a scout, how do you not take that kid? That is not easy to do. And he hit it seven miles. So anyway, Dylan Cruz has had an incredible couple of years. The guy I want to talk about is Jacob Wilson. You guys know that I wear you out about Jacob Wilson. I like him better than Jacob Gonzalez, even though I really like Jacob Gonzalez. I The challenge is this to me. Jacob Gonzalez has played every game in the SEC from day one of his career. And Jacob Wilson just doesn't get to play that kind of competition. But Jacob Wilson has one of the most ridiculous contact rates in college baseball. Seven punch outs in 280 plate appearances last year. Seven. He has struck out once over the last two fall seasons. He hit for a bunch of power last year, 18 home runs and 16 RBIs, or 16, 18 doubles, 16 home runs. He can't run, but Jacob Gonzalez can't run either. But the other thing I love about Jacob Wilson is the glove is super sure-handed, and he's the most accurate thrower I've seen in a long time. It's throwback accuracy across the diamond, 
And I just think he's a guaranteed big leaguer if he stays healthy. He's going to get stronger. He's still not a very strong kid. He does not dominate the weight room. So, again, no offense to Jacob Gonzalez. I feel like I've seen more of his hold. And in fairness, again, he's played a way tougher schedule than Jacob Wilson. But I, it, it's a long way of getting to I'm um, all in on Jacob Wilson. I just think he's a, a stud. The point, you made, the point you made about the contact rate, and it's absurd. It's absurd, it, especially for a guy that actually did hit for power, too. You know, it's not like right. he's just a slap and dash, put it in play guy. Like, how do you strike out seven times and still hit 16 home runs? It's insane. And I thought with Team USA last summer, he looked, it's a step up in competition from what you're seeing in the WAC. And he looked like he, he belonged to me. And I don't remember what the numbers look like, but I just thought that he looked like he belonged on the field with any of those guys. So yeah, it's totally with you. I guess I'm not totally with you. You're a little higher on him than anyone else in the world, but I see why. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, this is interesting though, Saif. Like if you take him fourth overall, he's not a great athlete. It's pretty interesting. Like he's kind of skinny upper body. They are not good times to first base. But he's just he's the son of a big leaguer, obviously. And just the instincts, the feel for the game, the the way I would say it is if you really want to win the game that you're playing today, Jacob Wilson checks a lot of boxes when you're trying to win today's game, which obviously is the ultimate answer. So it's you know what? And I'm not trying to compare him to this player because it's a totally different body type. But it's a little like Brooks Lee last year, where it's just son Mm. of a baseball guy plays like that and it's just like everything plays up he's a consummate winner i mean he's more of a true shortstop i think than brooks lee is but he's probably got more foot speed than brooks lee too even though i know he's not a burner anyway look where brooks lee got drafted so yeah i'm with you a guy that just playing hits and plays shortstop and has all those intangibles again lots of like move over tim salmon the best player in the history of Grand Canyon baseball is now Jacob Wilson. So there you go. Wow. There we go. If you, you did a chucker, so we're going back to Fitzy, I believe. Fitzy, you start us off for quad two. This is picks. This is ranked 26 through 50. There's so many guys I like in this range. Where do I go? So can I give you two? Is that allowed? No, yeah, it's not. Is it? Just be expeditious. I won't spend too much time on, on Colton Ledbetter because he's in our rising hitters package that, that Scythe posted today. But that's a guy that I think I, I was the one who juiced him up this list. Really into this guy. Transfer from Samford to Mississippi State. Performed very well at Samford his first two years. He's a beast in the NECBL. He just leapt off the field. There was a lot of heat in there, that NECBL All-Star game on the, the vineyard. And he was the main guy that they were bearing down. And in the fall, too, scouts, he's got a lot of attention. It's a. It's honestly, it's it's... I think it's a five-tool package. I think it's defensively, it's Dylan Cruz, where the, the body type, and I think he plays center field. He's just, he's very physical, but also very athletic and runs. It's real hard contact all the time from the left side. It's just a big time addition for Mississippi State. I think he's a stud. And then just real quickly, Rock Riggio, another guy, um, guy I think I juiced on this list a little bit. I just think it's a guy that's going to freaking mash, man. It's just plays with his hair on fire, a little Pedroia-ish in that he'll maybe rub some opponents the wrong way. And physically, he's not the same build as Pedroia, but it's a shorter guy. But he's just so, he's jacked, man. He's built. He's built. He's jacked like a fire hydrant and it's, it's just twitchy. I do think he's getting better at second base. I think he's going to be an offensive second baseman with big league all-star potential. I think it's that kind of bat. Kendall, can I get a bar fight meeting read a bar fight meter reading on rock Riggio in the regional hits a huge home run. He hits several of them, does a very slow trot gets criticized for it. And his next home run does like a Carl Lewis, 100 meter sprint. Can I get a re- can I get a, a readout on that, please? I got yeah, ro- rock, ha- rock has tweaked the scouting skill. That's like an 85. 
<laughs> yes, oh, thank you. Print just killed me. I love oh, that. Oh, it's so great. great. So great. Oh, that's awesome. KR, you go next. I'm going to pull a fit and actually go with two here. Please. I think you look at Nathan Detmer at A&M as a guy I've got my eye on. He's one of those kids last year that was inconsistent at times. But when he was on, I think back to his outing against Notre Dame and Omaha and his start against Vanderbilt earlier that year. He had a nasty breaking ball in both those games. His fastballs up to 93, 94, 95. And the big thing with Detmer kind of going into the 2023 campaign is he was actually up to 99 in the fall. Granted, he was holding more 93, 96, up to 97. But you're talking about a guy that's 6'4", 225 from the right side. When it's on and when he's commanding it, it's an electric breaking ball in the low 80s with good spin rates. If he can hold the type of velocity with that frame, he's a guy for me that has a lot of room to go up this list. I think the other guy for me is Ty Floyd at LSU. I'm picking another Tiger here. I'm like an LSU fanboy, but Ty Floyd was fantastic against Louisiana a few weeks ago. He was a guy that, if you remember, at a high school, he was like up to 95, 96 at a high school. And I think there was some sort of like minor injury or something that kind of set him back. And I remember watching his first fall as freshman year at LSU, and it was like 90, 92. And I'm sitting there like texting Paul Maneri, hey, what's going on here? I thought this guy was like a massive arm. And he finally, this past really kind of the halfway mark of the season, started to finally get that velocity back. And I tell you what, against the Cajuns, it was 94, 96 every single pitch. The curveball spin rate was 2,800 to 3,000. He commanded the changeup really well. Competitiveness was at an extremely high level. He's a guy that I think can work his way up to closer to where Grant Taylor is. I'm not sure he's got quite the stuff of Grant Taylor, but I tell you what, Ty Floyd was really impressive this fall. Outside of Taylor, he was the most impressive pitcher I saw. Hey, so group discussion on the, I want to, I want to bring up something about LSU for a second. Sure. So we've got LSU to me, I perceive is they got a lot of work to do on the mound, but we're excited about West Johnson. We got to figure out shortstop, but by the way, Jordan Thompson just missed this list, if I'm not mistaken, but we got three LSU pitchers on this list, gentlemen, <laughs> for a team with question marks on the mound. Maybe I just need to turn the page on that. But so here's my yeah. question. When you think about Skeens and you think about Ty Floyd and you think about Christian Little. I think the listeners and fans of college baseball are going to have to get their arms around these players, these pitchers very quickly. I don't know. I don't want to steer the jury, but what's the difference between those three guys? That's my question. Between Skeens, like like pitching style, like what they bring. So I'll start us. I picture Skeens as a guy, upper 90s, but really more change up than feel for spin, but kind of primarily a fastball guy. I don't have a good feel for Floyd, and I don't have as good of a feel for Little, just kind of very talented. It's been a little immature. He's very young for the grade. That's what I'm looking for. It's just, yeah, I'll say this. I was looking at the video LSU sent me of Skeens and, and I think I want to say Aaron saw him with USA over the summer, but I'll say this. I saw him in a regional against Texas last year and I thought the stuff looked a lot more electric and it was three really good pitches. The fastball was like 97, 99. So it made that, it made the slider and change look like it was like crazy slow but the slider had a little bit more kind of kind of run on it than I thought it would tail on it. And so I think I saw a guy with three legitimately strong pitches. To me, that's a game changer because I think when I saw him against Texas, it was primarily a two-pitch mix as a starter. And so if he's able to throw that third pitch for strikes at that kind of velocity and that kind of spin, that's a game changer. I think Christian Little, for me, Runes, is really interesting because if you look at LSU right now, you can talk about Skeens, Taylor, 
Thatcher heard his spin rate was up to 3,300 when I saw them to Louisiana. And then you have Chase Shores, by the way, who when mm. we talk about LSU's pitching, Chase Shores, a freshman, could very well end up being in the rotation over Thatcher Hurd. So that leaves Christian Little in a spot to where it's kind of crazy that Little left Vanderbilt for more exposure. And he has a chance where he can get less exposure at LSU this year because of how loaded they are on the mound right now. But when I saw him last year in the SEC tournament, I'm trying, was it again? I'm trying to remember who he started against, but it was electric stuff that night. It was 93, 95. The slider was a wipeout pitch in that game. And I want to say he went three or four really strong innings. It might have actually been against Tennessee, but yeah, he went three or four really strong innings. And so it's all there, but it's just not, it's just not to the point of some of those other guys for me. Just not as consistent. That's all. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's that simple. It's a super talent, prototype body, loose and whippy and all that stuff. And I could see him in five years being a complete monster. It's just, is he polished enough right now from a command standpoint and a consistency standpoint to displace those other arms in that rotation? We'll see. But it's a, it's a nice problem to have. They are loaded on the mound. We, again, we talk about the position players, but it might be the best pitching staff in the country. It's crazy. Yeah. Of those yeah, three guys, who, who's got the best secondary pitch? I picture all three of them as fastballs, their best offering. Does one of them have a secondary pitch that stands out where all three are pretty much pitching off their fastball? We're talking Skeens, Floyd, Floyd and Little, not Grant Taylor. You don't want him in that mix. Did he make the list, Grant Taylor? He's Grant he's Taylor? Skeens. Yeah, he's, he's like in the scheme. top 20. 15, oh, so there's, yeah. they have four arms yeah. in, no, oh my God. Little is not in the top one. Oh, little. Um, I'll say one. this. I'll say this. I will actually say that from what I saw, if Thatcher Hurd commands his slider, his or his, well, you, I don't know if they call it a curveball or slider, it's like 79-81. But I mean, if he can command his breaking ball, that's the best secondary pitch of all those guys. So you're, talking about a, you're talking about a breaking ball with a spin rate. like I think it was 33-36 is what I had written down. If you can command, that's pretty pretty damn good. So let me, Bruins, I wasn't misquoted, but to know Taylor's 15th, Skeens is 10th, and then Little is in the top 100, but he's 67, so he's well behind Skeens, Taylor, and Floyd. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, but either way, it's impressive. It's pretty good for it. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> the others, with the others that are not eligible, yes. Yeah. You think think about last year with LSU guys, and, and not to turn this into LSU podcast, but too late. <laughs> yeah. Real, real quick, the last That's year the point of return. Yeah, well, think of last year with Blake Money. Blake Money was a guy that we thought would turn into a big time prospect. He was their Friday guy, and like it took ten minutes in the conversation with their pitching staff with Jay Johnson for Blake Money to come up. So yeah. that kind of gives you an idea how good they're going to be on the mound. Oh man, me, I, yeah, Grant Taylor's top whatever fifteen, and I didn't even include him. That's hilarious. That's all right. Hey, that's all right, Runes. I asked what a quad was. That's all right, quadrant. Sife, what are you going with? Get us back to credibility, Sife. I'm going to take it back a couple ways. Okay. You, you've mentioned the only mid-major player, Jacob Wilson. I'm going to take it back even further. I'm going to mention two mid-major players and both from the Midwest, just to give a, love it. a little love here in the middle, the middle states. Two guys I really like. Both really athletic. One is a transfer actually from Alabama, had Tommy John surgery, came back to near his home stake, or to his home stake, should be Jake Eddington. He's a right-hand pitcher at Missouri State. 6'2, 185, really athletic, plus slider, throws in the low 90s, 92, 93 is where he'll sit. He'll touch a five and a six. I had a really good fall, but he's back. He's healthy, pounds a zone. It's a first round arm if it comes all comes together because there's control. There's second, there's a plus secondary pitch. 
There's a mid-90s fastball, athleticism, good delivery, looks like a starter. He is a starter. So first guy, Jake Eddington. And then beyond him a little bit, number 49 is another Midwesterner, Ball State. They got another arm. They seem to have an arm every year, every other year in the top couple rounds. And Ryan Brown, 6'2", 200, built a little more thick than Eddington, but still athletic. Starter delivery, profiles as a starter. He's, he runs a fastball in the same range, but he has a his changeup is plus, where his breaking ball is fringy at this point, but he's got spin, he controls it. So that kind of leads you to believe like he's going to have at least an average breaking ball. So Ryan Brown for Ball State, he's probably going to rise with this spring, as well as Jake Eddington, if he can continue to stay healthy on his recovery from Tommy John. Saif, what does your scouting hat tell you about what's going on at Ball State? We know Rich Maloney is a good coach and it's a good program, but these are big picks these guys are churning out. I guess my question, the crass way to say it is, how are the big boys missing on these kids? Are these late bloomers or is the development of Ball State that good? Or is it, yeah, what... How is this happening? Good for them, by the way. That's all. Yeah, Ball State's had good coaches. You know, was this Maloney's second time around? Tell me if I'm wrong, but and then Beals was a good head coach. I know it didn't go so well at Ohio State, but he's a good baseball guy. He was there for me right now. Wiley developed recently. Their pitching coach Larry Scully is really good at what he does. But I know they date back to the Bullingtons. You know, I mean, they go back to well before the recent success. So I'm not sure what's in the water in Muncie, Indiana, but I do know they have a really good pitching coach right, right there right now. I really head coach in Maloney, and they just continue to do what they do. I love it. All right, so I'll go two pitchers to start, boys. So how about – so we got Jackson Wiggins and Carson Montgomery, 40 and 41. Can you imagine getting those – like that makes them second rounders basically. Can you imagine getting that type of arm talent in the second round? Like, that's a good That's a good time. My, my favorite player in this grouping though is Ryan Lasko of Rutgers. I just – I think we all love the resurgence that Rutgers is making under Steve Owens. Lasko does get comp to Mike Trout because of the jersey thing and he's 5'11-ish, 200 pounds. It's like a it's a running back build, right? Like it's that thick, strong guy that hits for power but is athletic enough to play in the middle of the field. He was not as good for the CNT if memory serves. Correct. But his season for Rutgers was excellent. He's been on the field for them every day for two years. And Rutgers is just really fun. It continues the the trend of center fielders. So there you go. I'm not totally no longer an East Coaster, Kendall. I still got my Philly Jersey roots a little bit. Ryan Lasko, he given his choice, Kendall, he's going to Wawa, not Bucky's, just so we're clear. That's too bad. That's too bad for him. <laughs> they don't have beaver nuggets at the Wawa. <laughs> they don't have a beef jerky bar at Wawa. Beaver nuggets. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, we're halfway it's home. It's a real we got thing, by the way. Beaver nuggets in there. Gentlemen, let's uh, let's do our second read of the podcast. want to say thanks to our friends at the ABCA. Boys, we're like a month away from being in Nashville at the convention. And so if you are a coach that still hasn't signed up, let's make that happen. Christmas is right around the corner. That would be number one on your gift list. I'm going to be staying at the courtyard. I was not eligible for the Opryland, so stay at the courtyard down the street. We'll hitchhike to the convention together. Just kidding. It's a walk. But all kidding aside, we're really we're excited to get there. It's the best baseball weekend of the year. The guys at the ABCA do an incredible job with this. As a coach, it's like it, not only are you investing in your own career for what you're going to learn, the networking, the people you're going to meet, but you're also investing in your team by definition because the you're going to get better and iron sharpens iron. We know that. So 
Again, thanks to the folks at the ABCA. We are thrilled to be partnered with them and excited to see everyone in Nashville. Fitzy will be doing autographs in Nashville, so that, that'll be another plus. ABCA I've seen that happen. Yeah. I've seen that happen in Gainesville, live in the stands in Gainesville, so it does happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Speaking of the devil, why don't you kick us off for quad three, if you will? So first of all, Kemp Alderman and Matthew Etzler, both on our rising hitters list as posted today. Two guys I saw in my final fall swing, all in. Alderman, I think we have him at 66, and it wouldn't shock me if he rockets up higher. It's a huge, huge power bat. Had a monster fall. He had like 500 this fall for Ole Miss. And Etzel, just a, another one of those like throwback center fielder, kind of thicker frame athlete guy in that mold. So anyway, both those two guys, you can read about them more at d1baseball.com, David Seifert's 10 Rising Hitters. But the guy I wanted to highlight is just a fascinating guy to me, and that is Mitch Jeb. Am I in the right quadrant? I think I am. He's on here, isn't you he? You are. Yes, uh, Michigan State. Thank you. 60. There he is. It's just, he's not like many of the players on this list. He's super, I guess like the first time I saw him when he was a freshman, I was like, oh, he's a nice, a fun slap and dash player because it's, I had it at 80 speed. I don't know if Saif, that matches with what you've seen, but I had top of the chart speed and it's just a really live athlete. Now, can he play shortstop? I think that's the question mark. Maybe it's a center field profile. Saif, you might have more insight on that than I do, but I like the bat to ball skills. I think he's getting stronger. I actually think there is room for more strength and he can fly. He's really fun to watch. He hits for average. He's got track record and he can freaking fly. I just think he's a fun player. And you know, look, I got a couple of years ago. I was like, yeah, play shortstop. Okay. I know maybe that some people aren't sold on that though. Right. Right. Saif. I think it's more the arms. The arm yeah. action is really yeah. funky. So I, yeah. I mean, he's certainly fast enough to play, but I think when combine the arm and maybe just best suited to just run around center field at the end of the day. He can run to your point, Fitzy, that it's wild speed. Yep. So got to love it. Kendall, what are you thinking here in quad three? I'm going to go to a big 10 country here. I'm going to surprise you guys a little bit. Uh, Safe has influenced you. Yes. Hey, I'm going to go with the Wyatt Langford of the North, but a pitcher. In <laughs> no, there was Lassen. such a thing. Let me adjust. Let me get in an athletic position here. Yeah, Ooh, so here's a guy who – no, that's okay. It's okay. I interrupt everybody all the time. Calm down, I got, I got excited. Goodness. Yeah, the White so George Langford. Now, how about this, fellas? He made 11 appearances last year for the Golden Gophers, had an ERA north of 14, oh but goes out to the Northwoods League over the summer, sits 98 to 102. Like Patrick Ebert was there to see 98 to 102. So the question with Clausen, and uh, by the way, slider is mid 80s. But uh, the thing about Klassen is his command has been an issue. That's why he didn't have a larger role last year for the Golden Gophers. But I'll tell you what, if, with that kind of velocity, if he can harness his stuff, that's a guy who's in this quad, but he can end up in that top quad if he had a great spring. And so it, it, he, to me, he's really intriguing. I don't know if I'll have a chance to see Minnesota, but where I'd love to just to see him pitch. So keep it on George Klassen. Here, again, 98 to 101, bumping 102. Command is the question. By the way, shout out to Patrick Ebert. Those videos he takes at Northwoods League games are so fun. It's like you can get like a 15-second snapshot of these kids. Because to your point, Kendall, like Clawson is a kid that jumps. You hear the name, but I, I couldn't pick him out of a crowd of two. And then Patrick's video. is Safe, have you seen Clawson, Clawson, however you say it? Yeah, sure have. Yeah, and he's actually he was actually only through a handful of innings for Minnesota last spring. He's still recovering from Tommy John, so that's why he was limited. And they went in the summer and threw more. 
And so now he was back this fall and just continues to gain, kind of like Eddington, just coming off Tommy John, continues to gain strength and staying healthy. And they're, they're released full go, but they're just still trying to hold them back a little bit. So Yeah, there's some interesting arms in the Big Ten out of this group. You talk about Mitch J. You got uh, Ty Langenberg at Iowa. You got Klassen. There's a nice group of Big Ten guys here in this range. How about the receiver for Iowa that pitches? It was a freshman last year. What's that kid's name? He throws 102. You know what I'm talking about? Brock something or? Is it Ben? Like it's two ben Speck? Yeah, that's the guy, isn't it? The football wide receiver, correct? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, Saif, who are you thinking here in quad three? One guy I think, and not purposely, but. But just I think mm-hmm. we might have ranked a little bit low. I am saying with my mid-major theory or my mid-major category here, by the way. Um, but this is a guy. This is a guy Fitty put me on to early last spring, and then I watched him against Ohio State, and he shoved against Ohio State in a midweek matchup. I think it was like in May. But Cade Keeler from Campbell, big stuff, big arm. He'll run it up there to 97, 98. He's got two different breaking ball. He has a change up. There's effort there. And for me, at six foot, two with effort, he probably profiles more as a reliever. And that's probably why we haven't pushed down a little bit. But at number 61 overall, mm. Cade Keeler is a name to know because I think he could be easily be a riser this spring, especially just clean up the lessen the effort, clean up the delivery, continue to throw strikes, improve upon a 20, 2022 season. That was really good. I think he struck out. 111 and 80 or 90 innings without a ton of walks. He, his fastball is a high spinner. Again, he has two different breaking balls and a change up, change up. But Cade Keeler, name to know. I like it. Good pull. Hashtag roll humps. Let's go. Hey, so how about here's I'm going to give you guys two names, but my the I'll save my favorite one for a second. TJ Nichols at 62. I think we have him appropriately ranked. Obviously, I think that way. But this kid will show you 98 miles an hour with an 87 mile an hour slider. Now, the truth is he's got a five year A for his college career. And it's not like he's been out there just a little bit or he's been hurt. He's just one of those classic guys that right now the numbers are playing down. The 98 doesn't play as 98. The hitters don't mind his 98. But TJ Nichols, is, it's the perfect pitcher's body. By all counts, it's great makeup hard worker. You can't coach that kind of arm talent. He's a guy to your point earlier, Fitzy, like he's a guy that could make a huge jump in this list. Like he's a guy that could pitch for 50 spots this spring because what he has arm talent wise can't be taught. My favorite person on this list in this quadrant though, is Nolan McClain. Nolan McClain is fun. Now he shouldn't be on this list, right? He was a third rounder last year and then whoever took him didn't love the physical and then they couldn't come to terms. And so good for us in college baseball. He was a draft eligible sophomore. Nolan McClain is a third baseman and a closer for Oklahoma state. He started his career at Oklahoma state as a scholarship quarterback. He's North Carolina country, just like our boy Fitzy. So they wear matching flannels on occasion but kidding aside, Nolan McLean, 39 strikeouts in 25 innings last year. Guys only hit 206 against him. He also hit 19 home runs and slugged 595 while also striking out 107 times. His makeup, in my opinion, is off the charts. He, I, we, but it's like I want him to go be a big leaguer and start his pro career, but I'm also thrilled that we get another season of Nolan McLean in college baseball. And I think whatever Oklahoma State does, he's going to have a huge thumbprint on that for sure. Yeah, It's just absurd raw tools. It's 80 raw power. It's 80 raw power. It's absurd to the moon power. And it's a turbo sinker 
98. Come on. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know what his future is, but it's uh, very intriguing. And if you're fourth and goal at the 12, you just line him up in a wildcat formation scythe. And I don't know if that comes up in draft rooms, but come on, this guy can get you a first down too. Yeah, that just goes to the 80 makeup you were talking about. (laughs) Definitely comes up in the draft room. Oh, I love it. All right, quad four, gentlemen. Here we go. Stretch run. Fitzy, who do you like in quad four? Did you give us? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, quad four, I'm going to go with Kale Davis. This is a fourth-year college guy. I'm going to say post-hype sleeper here because he was was a guy coming out of high school. He was a guy when he showed up at Oklahoma State. And three years there, it just never quite came together maybe the way that everyone thought it would. When he came in there, it was like him and Bryce Osmond. It was like this elite recruiting class. And he kind of just wound up being a bullpen guy a few years, kind of four. 0.25, 4.26 ERA back-to-back years, just like very similar. He was good. He missed bats. He had a good strikeout rate, but just didn't quite make that leap to start him. Now he transfers to Oklahoma, fourth-year guy, and he's probably going to be their Friday night starter. You've got your opportunity. It's I saw him really good in the, in the fall. I think it was 93-95 with command of a good breaking ball and a good changeup, pitchability, looks apart. He's tall and athletic and physical, and he's experienced, and I think he's going to have a big year. And I think he's going to jump upwards. Gotta love it. Isn't that interesting transferring to rivals like that? Yeah. That's the new world we're living in. It's just yeah. crazy. It's like the boomer white, although obviously Bedlam is a bigger rival than AM and TCU, but gotta love it. Theoretically, it is. I don't know. It was AM TCU oh, matches in the last decade, boy. Yeah. And back in that region, it was super regionals, back to like super regionals. That's a good point. Yeah. That was fairly ferocious, too. Oh, love it. Kendall, what are you thinking here in quad quattro? I'm going to go with a guy that we had a lot of debate about, and that's Jack Moss at 97 from A&M. Like, who is Jack Moss? That's kind of the question we all have. You'll see who some you, up there that will have him in the top 40, top 50. You'll see some that will have him in the middle. You'll see us who has him at 97. And I think where we have him right now is accurate. I think you're talking about a guy who certainly can hit. He can get base hits. I thought at the end of last year – regional super omaha started to tap in his power just a little bit but you're also talking about a guy who i don't think is a first base in the next level he's not very good defensively at first he doesn't have a he doesn't have a very good arm so if he's not going to work out at first and you're going to put him in the outfield you're talking about putting a guy with not a with a pretty subpar arm in the outfield so I like the hit tool. I want to see more from him defensively this year before I'm ready to kind of buy stock and him as a top 50 guy. But there's no doubt when you look at Jack Moss, uh, he hit at Arizona State. He got base hits at Arizona State. He got base hits at a and for much of the season. And then at the end of the year, like I said, he finally kind of tapped into that power. So I'm really curious to see what he is this year. Can he put all the pieces together? If He, he can be a top 50 guy, but I think right now we have him appropriately ranked. But he's a, but he's a kid that certainly has – gotten me some texts over the last week. Hey, why, why do y'all have him so low? And that's exactly why. I have a weird comp for Moss for you guys that I would love to get your take on. The comp is just kind of like where they are from a defensive standpoint. Keston Hira of UC Irvine was a guy. Now he had a far superior offensive career to Moss to this point. Hira just killed the ball from day one at Irvine but same thing like a guy with kind of a mystery arm shoulder injury now here you could kind of trick yourself into thinking could he play second base but it's like you're drafting a bat with uncertainty around the arm and I'm with you Ken like Moss should at least try left field right 
but no one's everyone's seen a 30 arm. I don't know, Fitzy and Seif, what's your guys take on that? Like, how do you parse out this kind of mystery defensive profile? Yeah, I think the Kesson Hura comment was a good one because you're right. And I remember, I know he played second base at Irvine. Was that his draft year or was that the year before? I feel like maybe there was an injury issue the draft year. Yeah, I think his draft year was a DH. And the guy could mash and he could just really hit. And so he still went really good in the draft and maybe that'll happen to Moss too, but you're right. Like the thing is, I think Hero was more athletic. You could, like you said, you could envision him profiling at second base, whereas Jack Moss is not going to be an up the middle player. There's no mm-hmm. chance. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a corner only. It's a doubles guy right now, more than a home run guy. And it's, that's the other thing is if he's going to be a left fielder or a first baseman or a DH, we're going to need to see that power show up now. And I think we all believe it's in there. Just a physical guy. Those doubles are going to start turning into home runs, but that needs to happen right now if he's going to make a big move in the draft. Yeah. What say you on that site? Like if you love the Moss bat, can you just say, hey, we're just going to give them 500 minor league games in left field and figure it out? And who cares? Nobody throws anybody out from left field anyway or does that defense thing come become a real issue in a draft room i've honestly i've never seen moss so i can't really speak to it but it's more athleticism he's just a 30 athlete that can hit that's one thing but if he's an average athlete that you can develop into something usable in the outfield then that's a little more exciting and there's just a round for every guy yeah, that's fair that's i wouldn't say there's round for every guy but there's 20 rounds and you just kind of base your evaluation now if it's a special special bat that's a little different like kyle schwarber drafted oh yeah we're gonna make him a catcher that lasted for about a year he's in left mm-hmm. field he's hitting home runs in the world series but that was a special bat the cubs took what fourth overall and Jack moss is not that guy but uh, just going back to my original point is depends if you have to have some defensive value so at least in my mind you did do otherwise you're just making a mistake again different clubs have different opinions and different philosophies on that Boy, it's interesting because he's six foot five and there's bat to ball. Like you can talk yourself into a pure hit tool there and you could talk yourself into powers on the way. It'll be easier for a team to teach him to maybe cheat for some power. And yeah, boy, he's going to be in it. I feel like he's one of those fun players where if you go into different draft rooms, they're going to have him in all kinds of different spots. To your point, Kendall. Uh, Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. He's interesting. Man, sure, though. What if he pops like 17 home runs this year? And it's like, okay, he's going to be fun. He's going to be fun to follow. Yeah. Saif, who do you got in quad four? What are you thinking here? Quad four, I like what Fiddy was thinking. Like he took a fourth year pitcher, fourth year player, but this was Cale Davis was a pitcher who just changed a change of scenery. Saw him this fall at Oklahoma. I did the same thing with Chandler Murphy. He used to be a desert cat out by you, transferred to Missouri. I know there's questions about his work ethic and just flipping back to Nolan McClain. I'm probably not going to put Chandler Murphy on the three-yard line in the Wildcats stand next to Nolan McClain. <laughs> Knowing there have been work ethic issues in the past, but what I saw was really good this fall. Missouri played Illinois State, and Murphy was out there 93-94, just filling up the zones, a really high-spin fastball. He had two distinct breaking balls. He had a high-spin slider 27 8 2800 was sharp it was late good tilt and then he also had a true curveball it was like 2900 to almost 3000 spin rate in the upper 70s for velocity also showed a change up it was a far distant fourth pitch but he threw it and it looked halfway natural he wasn't like pushing it up there and i just think he's whatever happened he won seven games as a freshman for arizona he was seven and oh actually and then his, I think his junior year, he went down there. He was His forearm was injured, just never fell into a groove. So he's, he's at Missouri now, and he's off to a really good start. 
Mm, yeah. And the video that you took, speaking of giving props on video, the video that you put up on Twitter, Sife, and on the site for Murphy, man, that slider was just from Hades. I When I'd seen him in Arizona, I had seen a, a slider that was good, but that the slider you saw that day, that was devastating. I mean, that, that was a yeah, difference he opened, maker. He opened a lot of eyes. There's probably 15-ish scouts there that day, a couple cross-checkers, and everybody knew the name. But I think for a lot of them, it was the first time they'd ever seen him because he's from Arizona, and now all of a sudden he's in Columbia, Missouri. And yeah, a lot of guys left there with a name for the top of their list. Or, Gotta love you know, it. Not the top near. And in the Midwest, is kind of down this year too, so maybe it is the top of their list, but he threw really well that day. Love it. All right, so I got two names for you guys. So I see Jack Mahoney of South Carolina mm. at number 90. You guys got that's that that's the right number, right? That's where he's at. Yes, I believe. So yes. I feel like he had Tommy John like almost immediately upon entering South Carolina. Does that sound right, Fitzy? He's been right. hurt. It was yes. He was coming back from TJ. I don't remember the exact time frame of that. I think it was But a big recruit, right? Like he was a yeah. big talented, yeah. And so I bring him up. I couldn't again, Jack Mo- Jack Mahoney, I couldn't pick him out of a crowd of two either. I don't know him from Adam, but I know the name. And I have this suspicion that South Carolina's actually got a chance to be really good this year. I just have their gut, they're a gut feel pick for me. And Jack Mahoney's one of the reasons where it's like man, here's this talented dude who's finally back. And then he shows up on our draft list. And you're like, I could see this really coming together nicely for South Carolina. The name I really want to talk uh, about. Real quickly on Mahoney. Yeah. And he came back strong this fall. Fastball averaged 94.4 miles an hour this fall. Uh, touched 97. It's an athletic guy, like a two-way athlete, although he's going to be a pitcher. But I don't think he's going to probably hit it all this year, but he's, he's an athletic like that. It's loose and it's just a power arm. It's He's on the come for sure. And it's, it's just very little experience. And so it's just kind of a total X-factor guy. But if it clicks, yeah, it's exciting. Yep. Yep. So the, here's the guy I want to talk about is TJ McCants of Ole Miss. And he's here in quad four. He's just, I'm almost done Chase Parham's book, Resilient Rebs, on the on the Old Miss National. I can't recommend this book enough. I have not been able to put it down for a week. I'm going to read it in a week. It's so good. And a big one of the big stories that Chase tells in the book is TJ McCants was, first of all, this is a six foot three, 190 pound left handed hitting athlete, came in as a middle infielder. Like he's a guaranteed to stay in the middle of the field guy smooth athlete, was an all-SEC freshman team. And then his mom was diagnosed with cancer. She is she passed away this, this September, his mom, Felicia. So he dealt with that all last year during the national championship run. And I think it's not fair to expect the kid to have his best season with that going on in the backdrop. And I think he's going to have an enormous year. I think he's he, center field is probably a perfect home for him. He's another guy that is in quad four because he really is coming off a down year, but there's probably way more in there. Now, we'll see. Obviously, the SEC, is that's a hard league, but I'm reading that book. I had no idea that TJ McCants was dealing with that last year, and uh, and he still he hit a huge home run, I think, in the finals and uh, was a big part of their deal in the down the stretch. He's a very interesting guy. So there you go, TJ McCants. 
looking yeah, forward to seeing him. This interesting year. because you're right. Like I agree, he's up the middle athlete and all that stuff, but he might get pushed to left field this year because they brought in Ethan Groff mm. from Tulane, who's I think a more experienced center fielder. TJ still new to that position, picked it up on the fly over the last couple of years when he's pressed into duty. But yeah, it's just seeing him this fall. It's like year over year. Each fall, I see him. He's more physical, and he's because you're right. He was really like just kind of a lanky rail of a kid, super athlete. But now it's like he's it's filling out. There's bat speed. I think he hit home run when I was there. I mean, it's it's a power speed tool set and it just didn't perform the way I thought he would last year. And so we're obviously still buying. That's why we've got him in the top 100. But the performance needs to come because it, it uh, he, he slumped last year. Yeah. yeah, and for me, I mean, I just saw him take infield, at, infield and outfield at Arkansas last spring and he's a shortstop. So if I'm a pro scout, he can play the outfield all he wants for Ole Miss. But if I'm a pro scout, I'm turning him in as a shortstop. I'm wow. sending him out as a shortstop Love it. and just letting him play his way off shortstop because he is twitchy. He's athletic. He has plenty of arm strength. He has the feet. He has the hands. He just has Jacob Gonzalez stand right there in front of him. He's, <laughs> he's not, he's, and even though Jacob is no Jacob Gonzalez is no Jacob Wilson, as we discussed previously, <laughs> well, I'm, still gonna, I'm still going to put TJ McCants out there on the dirt his first at least year pro ball for me. I, I love that you said that because I've never seen him play short. Apparently he played short a lot this fall because Gonzalez was injured. And, it, and from what I hear, it looked really good there. And I was looking forward to seeing him play short in the pizza bowl, but they moved him to center field. This, whoever, I think it was, it might have been Gonzalez who was the manager of that team. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they, they moved him to center field for that game. They put, the, I think, uh, Ethan Leger, the junior college transfer, another guy to keep an eye on, by the way. That guy's he's a fun, exciting player. I don't think he's in our top 100, but wouldn't shock me if he jumped up in there. So Ole Miss is talented, man. I know they lost some key hero guys, but I think they're a top 10 team again, maybe top five team again. And I think they're really good. Admittedly, I've never seen him take a, make a single play during a game. So I don't know if he has a good clock. I don't know if he is throwing accuracy with a guy running down the line. I don't know anything about that, but I just saw him take infield and look really good. And obviously, if I were a pro scout, like I said, I'd turn him in as a shortstop. And if I thought he could really play there, if I saw him play there during some games and I confirm it, then obviously I'd just push him higher and higher. But yeah, I would think for me, he profiles as a shortstop. Love that. So good. Boys, let's wrap it right there. That was a good discussion. I feel like I say this every year, but we're all very proud of our list. The creation of the final product is something that's really fun, but it's not as fun as the process of making the list. And Saif, I want to give you props again. We tease you as the director of credibility, but if we can only let the listeners in our draft room one time where all of the rest of us, myself especially, get all wound up and excited and emotional and Saif is kind of like the old sage, that wise person. That's like, okay, that's great. That was a really the pros, wonderful pro. story. Pros, pro said Kendall. So thank you for keeping us in line, Saif. It is much, much appreciated. Uh, I was playing golf with another scout recently, and he dropped a Dan Gladden comp. Probably none of you guys will get that. Saif would probably get it. None of you guys would probably... <laughs> anyway, First of all, I did get it, and I loved it. But second of all, yes, I think Saif would know that. remember that name. Hey, the best. I, I help out at the local training facility and I help with, it's called Arm Care, help there once a week and the kids are in high school. So I'm dropping names on these kids. They don't know who Dwight Good was. They don't know. Oh who, gosh. One oh. guy, one, another instructor who helps out, he's in his second or third year pro ball. He pitches for a pro team. And I don't want to talk too much to him. I don't want to give him away, but he did not know who Brooks Robinson was. And I lost oh, it on no. him in front, of, oh, my. in front of 15 teenagers. I just, yeah, it was very he deserved that. Yeah, he definitely yeah. deserved it. But like Brooks Robinson, Dwight Good, they're like, oh, when the, so yeah, they're in high school, but they don't even know already. Yeah, it's pretty. Dan Gladden, that's a good one. I like that one. 
Saif, the guy that you aired out, as our good friend Chris Burke, Chris from Louisville, says, feedback is a gift. You gave that guy a gift. Him walking this planet, not knowing who Brooks Robinson is, we could not let that continue. You did him a favor. Well done. He did promise me that he would study up on pitchers and players of the 80s. So his next quiz is coming up, but I'm giving him. Ask him who Turk Wendell is. Oh gosh! Oh, see, he's kind of local, so maybe there's a chance he was a long time cubby. So yeah, there's a good chance mm-hmm. there, though. But yeah, it's kind of focused on players of the '80s and '90s, and it's not going so well. I think the point is you're old. That's why you have so much credibility. That is, thanks, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go there, but sure, we can go there. That's Experienced, fine. savvy. As they say, he's seen some stuff. He yeah, has seen yeah. Some that's stuff. what he said. Gentlemen, let's wrap it with this. I want to encourage all the listeners. There is never a bad time to get a subscription to D1Baseball.com. This might be the best time, though. Fall reports are coming out every day, multiple per day some days. Fitzy just put Wake Forest on the site, which might be – is that your Sistine Chapel, Fitzy, the Wake Forest? Can I just wish everyone a happy Deke Day one more time? Uh, <laughs> I didn't get that across earlier. Happy Deke yeah. Day. I have not taken a look at the Wake Forest encyclopedia just yet. And you won't Uh, because you want to be wrong. You want to revel in your ignorance and be wrong. uh, And that's fine. uh, Listeners, here's what you do. When you check out, type in fall 22 and we'll get you 20% off right there. So you can see these masterpieces in action. Saif, we appreciate it. This was super fun. Love doing these. And that's it. We'll keep going with the uh, the podcast and the fall reports, et cetera, et cetera. We will catch everyone next time. Happy holidays. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.